In this episode of Octal FM, we try to decide, is the 3D platforming video game genre dead? Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we're going to have a little bit of a chat about platformers or platform video games. Video game platformers? Platforming video games? Platforming video games, platformers in video games. I mean, platformers in general is its own genre within video games and nowhere else, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Basically, think... Mario games, <laughs> because we're so See, Nintendo biased. <laughs> you mi- you missed a bit of a trick there. You could have said we were going to have a hop, skip, and a jump down memory lane of platforming. Yes. Or, or we, I could have said that uh, we're going to use our our platform to talk about platformers. Hey, hey, there you go. That's the intro <laughs> you want. Damn it. Anyway. Yeah, we've kind of been... I think this was a little bit spurred on by me recently at the time of recording playing um, ukulele mm-hmm. from Platonic Games. But we really wanted to talk a little bit about that and a little bit about the history of platforming games and, you know, just just yeah, just generally sort of talk about what we think about them. And, you know, they're, they're a big part of video games. We both come from that era of video gaming where they were kind of like the mainstay. They were the genre of gaming. Mm. Uh, and I certainly kind of grew up on a lot of platform games. Um, and we're going to go through some of the history of it first. So we'll, we'll go over that. But it's also interesting because, like you say, things like Ukulele having recently kind of come out as of recording time. And then you're getting kind of like these more kind of indie 2D platformers as mm. well, like and all different kind of sub-genres of those kind of 2D platforms, especially on PC more than anything else, or on things like the um, like the India market on Xbox Live and uh, yep. PSN. Uh, you know, it's becoming more and more of a thing again. And it's a really cool time to talk about it because there's just a lot of really good examples with some really interesting design ideas. We're not going to be able to touch on everything today that we want to because otherwise I think we'll be here all day. Um, <laughs> so we're going to try and stick to kind of a discussion of like the history of of the genre as a whole, like where it's been, where it's come to, and where maybe it's heading. Mm. And then we were thinking about me doing another episode in future, maybe the next one, who knows, regarding like kind of the rights and wrongs of platforming and good examples of both. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a lot to talk about. You know, there's a lot of games in this, in this genre. And it kind of all started, I guess, with some of those arcade games, right? Things like Donkey Kong uh, and and the original Mario Bro- Mario Brothers. I, I think guess, it was just Mario Bros. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it had like a, a super or anything. I think Super Mario Bros. was the, the NES game, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was like a the the first Mario Bros. That was like a fixed viewpoint two player. Like the enemies came down from the top and sort of it's kind of like a high scoring thing, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was kind of like a, a kind of a competition based one. Mm. We had to like kill enemies and get points and stuff and like hit each other with the uh, shells and stuff. Yeah. And that was re-released in um on GBA, wasn't it? As sort of like a bonus thing alongside was it the GBA or the DS? It was re-released. I feel a- like it did and then it kind of spawned its own subgenre of Mario games on handhelds for a while. Uh, I think yeah. it was like Donkey it was like a Donkey Kong game rather than a Mario game oh, as well. Yeah, even yeah, though you played as 
I can't remember the name of it. Hey, tweet us what the name of those yeah, are. Yeah, tell us what, what it was. We, you know what we mean. <laughs> but it did start with those arcade games. And I guess one of the reasons for it was because it was quite easy to draw platforms because you just drew a white line on yeah. the screen. And then you pressed a button to make your guy go a little bit higher than he already was. And he got onto that platform. And that's kind of like how simple it was. So it was really easy to to make those games. Or it was re- also really easy to understand those games too. Because, yeah. you know, if you've never played an, uh, this game before, you go into an arcade and you've never seen it, you've got a pretty good idea of what you're going to do when you see a platform and you've got your little guy below it. You will press a button, I'm going to jump, aren't I? Yeah, exactly. And so that sort of style then crossed over into home consoles and that's where you then started to see things like Super Mario Brothers and the first uh, Sonic games and you also saw a little bit of an expansion on that into more complex ideas and concepts with mm-hmm. things like um, Metroid and Castlevania right? Yeah definitely they, those were more of almost an exploration platform mm. weren't they? Like although it was very linear specifically the original Castlevania games were quite linear I guess in a way Metroid was but it was like backtracking linear because you had to go through in one, in one path but you kind of had to go back along the path sometimes Yeah, um, it was mostly still about the platforming but they added other elements for example like uh, different styles of attacks rather than say just jumping on an enemy or jumping you know over them or something to avoid them and then they started to kind of like basically i think they found their feet with platforming games because they were fairly easy to make the control schemes of the controllers at the time were very conducive to platforming Mm. because you didn't need too many buttons to be able to make your guy walk run and jump you know i mean look at the just the nes you had what two buttons and your 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 d-pad didn't you yeah um and that's that's all you really needed for a platform and you couldn't do much else with it so they, they worked really well um, so they just started to expand out on that and they got some different ideas uh, and like wanted to do some of the more action orientated ones or some of them say with kind of the points way of doing things like like Sonic is essentially just a point scoring game isn't it really mm, at the yeah. end of the day like it's all about getting to the end of the level as fast as possible collecting the most rings you don't think of it like that like a, a really old school oh you the whole point of the game is to get points hey, that was that was a pun i didn't even intend it um <laughs> but it is that's exactly what it was and that was primarily due to the fact that they got the controls were very simple and it was easy to make mm, yeah and and again also a you know a throwback to arcade games right where there was a you know there had to be a high score involved because that was kind of how they worked the only, yeah because there was no point you couldn't have a story could you <laughs> oh yes you could try uh, yeah um and then you sort of got increasing levels of sophistication, right? And they just sort of got more fluid, more... They really pushed the limits of what some of these consoles could do. You know, thinking about things like the Donkey Kong Country games, where you had those pre-rendered 3D models that were then placed on a 2D plane. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. And then they they basically just kind of refined it. I mean, obviously, Mario's the easy one to talk about. Mm. And there were so many other platformers. You had like um, kind of like run and gun platformers, things as well, like uh, like Metal Slug. Yeah. Uh, It's sort of a platformer, sort of not, because it's more of like a shoot 'em up, but you do have to run and jump and stuff. So it's kind of here and there. But you can still see the influences of the traditional platforming genre on those games. Mm. So they'd found their footing, they'd really gotten an idea of how to make these 2D games very tight. Um, they started to expand in different areas, kind of get an idea of like how else could we kind of like spice up the formula. And then 3D became a thing. <laughs> exactly. It was, it's really interesting looking back and you can see so much of the sort of progression of the, the struggle, if you like, of how 
of how developers tried to map those formulas and those game mechanics and also those brands right like sonic and mario and things like that and bringing those into the 3d world on the playstation and the nintendo 64 and i guess the dreamcast with things like obviously super mario 64 crash bandicoot crash bandicoot is a really interesting one because it's a 3d platformer but the level design is so 2d right like when you look at a crash bandicoot level it actually really is kind of like three layers of a 2d yeah of a 2d level next to each other because that was sort of how they designed it i think what they did was they looked at what they could possibly do with their game engine and what was the kind of current limitations of the hardware and went, we really can't do full 3D platforming. Um, Let's not bother trying. Let's just make a really good 2.5D game, Mm. uh, which is sort of what they did. And, I mean, in fairness, it became very iconic in its own right because then a lot more games followed that style. Yeah, absolutely. But can I just point out, like, we, we, we kind of rag on 3D, uh, early 3D platforming because of how there were so many bad games, and there were a lot of bad ones. Yeah. But can we just say that the very first one, the literal first one, was literally a masterpiece. Like, <laughs> Mario 64, like, it was the first game on Nintendo 64, and they just knocked it out of the park. It was so tight. Yeah. But yet so many developers got it wrong. Um, even when they tried to kind of copy the formula, they still managed to get it wrong. That's very true. It's interesting when you look at Super Mario 64, you think about things like the way that the camera worked, right? Because camera yeah. camera is basically the, the one of the biggest problems and hardest problems to solve with 3D platformers because with Definitely. 2D platformers, it was easy, right? Like there's only one point where the camera is and there's nothing you really need to do. But with 3D platformers, you need to try and let the player control where they can look and you know you've got to you've got to help them maneuver in 3d space so things like you know clever use of shadows and positioning of things and you know very defined colors and stuff like that and in super mario 64 the camera is a lakitu right like with a camera like they they kind of to, to sort of introduce the player to these brand new concepts about like having to manipulate a camera around the character you know they they turned it into a sort of feature of the of the story mm-hmm. if you like and then to introduce it in a very gentle way rather than just nowadays you know it's, it's sort of assumed that you understand or you can be more clever anyway with the camera yeah but even things like controls right like i really love the example of croc the the mm-hmm. 3d platformer croc which was i didn't know this until just now when we were looking it up but it was like a it was proposed as a mario spin-off that just featured Yoshi, and when they got rejected, they were like, eh, "We'll just we'll just make our own game then. Make another green lizard. Um, just make him less Yoshi-like and make him more like a crocodile." And that had really bad controls, right? It, yeah. You described it the best. It was like tank controls. You know, yeah. it's like you've got motion. You can spin on an axis essentially to look around, and you go forwards all the time. See, I I have quite fond memories of the game. Because as a whole, it's actually not a bad game, but the controls are very limited. And that mm. kind of shows like the developers still didn't have a full idea of how to make 3D platforming, controlling a 3D character within a 3D environment work. Yeah. 
And some games got around this by just basically copying Mario 64. Mm. For example, like uh, things like Spyro, for example, yep. which is a really, really great platformer. They kind of just had a very, very similar approach to Mario 64 in the sense that you could kind of move your camera around. It always kind of stayed behind you. You could maybe like increase or decrease the distance at which it followed you at. And that was sort of it. And it felt very natural and it worked really well. But then other games sort of didn't bother going down that route because they thought, well, we won't be able to make that. So they just kind of re- really refined 2D gaming, but with like a sorry, 2D platforming, but with like a much like nicer veneer to it, didn't they? Mm. So, I mean, one of the games that always comes to my mind about like, um, you know, high quality 2D games before like the current kind of 2D reemergence sort of thing was things like the Oddworld games, um, Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus, because they had that kind of Donkey Kong kind of style where the, the backgrounds were all pre-rendered, but yet mm. your character was sort of like um, kind of sprite work, kind of like more combat style sprite work, weren't they? Yeah. And it, everything felt very, very tight. Like you didn't have to worry about the fact that you had to control the camera because the, again, it was just a fixed point and it just followed you along wherever you went. In fact, in some instances, the camera didn't have to move because the screen was what you had to kind of like play within. And that kind of, spawned its own subgenre again of platforming games didn't it that that kind of spawned the the puzzle the first of the puzzle type platformers mm. whereas instead of it being about like trying to get the most points trying to get to the end of the level the quickest or you know maybe like action ones sort of like you know your your castlevania style ones it was mostly about working out how to solve this puzzle whilst jumping around and running yeah it's like you know they had more advanced mechanics than sort of bled back into 2d games right because you know there was more creativity around you know different ways that you can add interest to the games you know once you've had a lot of just simple 2d platformers and then i guess that sort of 3d platformer as as video games got more popular um they got bigger budget the teams got bigger i think that that sort of simple charm of colorful 3d games with fairly simple mechanics they sort of fell out of favor didn't they really yeah i I guess it's one of those where like no matter how refined it would become and how good some of them were they just it had been done you know yeah and if it hadn't been done it was because of technical limitations Mm. so like they just decided the game developers decided if we can do all of this anyway why don't we just make a more advanced game around this these kind of mechanics exactly and so then you ended up with essentially for want of a better phrase more realistic games and i think that you you pointed out a great example and it's an obvious one when you think about it but tomb raider right like tomb raider is a great example because it's around that sort of time and it has it shares a lot with platformers of the time but it is far more complex you know it's a much more puzzle action adventure game you know yeah. there's it's clearly a lot higher budget there's a lot there's of, a narrative there there's a whole narrative there's you know in the later ones you, there's well not even the later ones just in the early ones there's voice acting you mm-hmm. know everything is a lot more sophisticated and you're really building this sophisticated sort of realistic brand um, and then also a little bit later things like uncharted and obviously also you had a, a huge you know sort of surge in popularity with first person shooters especially when you think start to think about things like halo where mm. now you can have more intelligence enemies and ai to yeah, fight against yeah. you know no longer is the ai of enemies just like something that runs towards you when you when it sees you and you jump on yes. it yes you know now you can have you can do sophisticated level design and you know you can guide the player through a level and have ai you know interacting with them in a much more complex way 
um, which you really don't need in a Mario game or a, or, or a Banjo game or whatever. And those kind of uh, advancements allowed for the action-adventure genre to really kind of take hold yeah. and become its own thing, separate platforming entirely. But it, they also, they continue to use some of these more advanced ideas from action-adventure games to make some of, kind of like pseudo-platformer games, kind of like um, like your Ratchet and Clanks, yes. your Sly Coopers. Yeah. And these games used kind of features of both worlds. And they, they're kind of still platformers, but mm. they're not like platformers of old days but they're also not the action adventure types they're kind of their own thing but even then they did start to see just less popularity overall i think i think it became difficult to innovate because there's only so much you can do with that sort of limitation or that kind of design choice i should say Mm. so you found them kind of drop off like when you hit like the playstation 3 xbox 360 era with the exception of things like mario on like whatever nintendo console was at the time like the wii there wasn't really a great deal of platforming going on, was there? No, there really wasn't. In fact, Mario is basically the only sort of successful oddity in this entire story because even Sonic, you know, just really struggled in the 3D era. Yeah, like there wasn't really any good 3D Sonic games. Like, obviously that's a an argument for another day, but <laughs> I mean, because I know there are people that love some of the kind of like the, the mid era sonic games i can hear the furious like angry keyboard <laughs> typing <laughs> they right just now. they just weren't really that tight were they that's kind of the no. problem they're, they're very clunky yeah absolutely and i think also the hardware limitations right like like you say like those you though you were limited in how much innovation you could do and how much you could do where the hardware is limiting you in some ways that doesn't necessarily stop you from making games like halo or tomb raider but no. does stop you from really going crazy on on 3d platformers yeah and it, and i think the budget definitely came into account you know it's like yeah. if you can make a panjo kazooie game with however big rare were at the time and then your team doubles in size it's like well surely you can do something a little bit more sophisticated than yeah, you know a bear much. that doesn't talk and stuff like that you know those kinds of limitate those kinds of things people were expecting more I think that, I think that's actually really the really correct word is people are expecting more, mm. and it is very different in kind of today's gaming environment where you don't necessarily expect more; you just expect difference. Yeah, but I, I definitely at the time during that kind of like uh, you know the PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three sort of era, um, people did just expect more and more. They expected better graphics, longer gameplay, more kind of detail, more yeah. in depth stuff. You know, more narrative. Mm. It wasn't necessarily about the game; it was more about the experience. And platformers couldn't really deliver on that, which is why they kind of just went away for a while. Yeah, definitely. And I think what what then happened is you then saw this arrival of independent small developers Mm -hmm. starting to build games with newly available tools and resources that allowed smaller teams to build games where previously it needed high levels of skill, sophistication and large teams and also access to developer kits and all of that mm. kind of stuff. Like just, just that, that entire barrier to entry for building and developing games. A lot of that fell away. But because doing stuff in 3D still required a lot of resources, skills, tools, you know, building 3D models and people yeah, were expecting that high budget because that was what was available to these big development teams. In- independent developers couldn't, do that they couldn't achieve that on small budgets small resources 
So instead, they turned back to that 2D genre, right? And and now we've seen this rematurity of 2D platformers, you know, so you've gone from simple 2D platformers and then sophistication with things like Disney games and Metroid and all of those kinds of things. And now we've come back and now there are 2D, the 2D platforming world, particularly on PC, as you pointed out earlier, it's now full of subgenres, right? And now you've got this huge amount of creativity, I think predominantly led by independent developers. Yeah, definitely. You you are seeing some of the bigger ones kind of get involved, mm. but it is very much an independent scene. Mm. And I think the reason for that is because they don't have the limitations of hardware. If they're, if they're working with kind of modern tech, they can kind of do what they want to do with the the hardware Mm. and because it's fairly low budget they can be more experimental they're not having to make sure that they hit a five out of ten kind of like uh you know performance margin just to make sure they cover the the cost of the game yeah you know they're not like a a a mega huge developer who can kind of like waste you know 20 million developing a game with something new about it because if it doesn't work whatever it's just 20 million we've got more in the bank so they don't have to spend that kind of money, which means that they can take that slightly more risky approach, yep. which is why these subgenres have kind of like appeared in the first place. And some of these subgenres are quite interesting in that they're almost like reimaginings of old school games. Like the first one on our list here is like the roguelike platformers. Mm. And you think roguelikes go back to like the, the early 1980s kind of thing, you know, where yep. you would enter, I can't remember, like, is it like um, Dwarf Fortress? I think that's quite a new one, isn't it? Actually? That's relatively new, but I tell you, the, the you go back early enough and it's NetHack. So NetHack yeah, is the exactly. very first, pretty much the very first or the the most popular, I guess, that people think of. That was 1987 uh, that that wow. came out. Um, so it's a really great example of this 2D platformer mashup where you had a game like NetHack. And that for those that don't know um, about roguelike games, they're games where the level and the environment is randomized. And when you die, traditionally, that's the end of your run of the that's the end of the game and you have to start again and then everything's randomized again uh that's kind of what we mean when we say roguelike and originally something like nethack was just ascii characters and it was top down and it was turn-based and there were items and it was more like an rpg Mm -hmm. Uh, and now we've seen things like rogue legacy and spelunky uh, which are both 2d platformer roguelikes uh, with sort of cartoony graphics uh, yeah. and and you know a mixture of combats and you know there's some mashups with RPGs as well like Spelunky has items and shops yeah. as you go through the the level and stuff like that. Rogue Legacy's got that really kind of like rewarding item kind of gathering mechanic yeah. where like do I push a little bit more to try and get like the next weapon for the next playthrough or yeah. should I kind of like go back and heal up you know and. That's really cool that they can use this kind of tried and true genre, which is mostly dead at this point, but kind of reinvigorate it using an even older genre and yeah. kind of mix them up. It's like taking two old things and making something new out of it. Absolutely. Uh, and and these games, like you said, these were really popular and well received because they were just they were fresh and new. Mm. And even though they didn't have like, you know, mega budget graphics because they were kind of like artistic and they were kind of stylized. They look really nice despite the fact that they were quite kind of like low, low res overall. You know, they weren't, they didn't have to have like a a lot of like effort put into them because they still look really nice. You know what it is? Thinking about it, it's like when you think about early 2D platformers like Mario games on on the SNES and stuff like that, 
they were one of the features was the fact that it was a 2d platformer right like that Mm. was like that was it's like that was the thing but now 2d platformers is kind of just like a vehicle for more interesting a platform for another idea yeah um exactly (laughs) very good hey hey. (laughs) because you also got things like puzzle platformers as well and we were trying to think were puzzle platformers a thing in in the early days on the snares and the nez and and things like that but they weren't really not really weren't really things like super meat boy um n plus braid uh, limbo all of those kinds of games you know there's a there's a huge variety there actually we just there's, there's a lot of really interesting different things mm. using the the platform basic mechanics yeah but having run very different style yeah exactly but it's essentially that isn't it? it's run and jump on floating platforms but they did very unique things with it uh and they, they created these really uh, kind of just a kind of fresh idea i can't i'm trying to think of a better word for it but it's just fresh you know <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what they were and when they came out they, they really took a lot of the kind of like the player base by storm because like wow this is so different and so interesting mm. i mean super meat boy is is so wonderfully iconic you know yeah. like it, it, it encapsulates that puzzle platform element of you know death retry and it's it's so frustrating so annoying but also so kind of like rewarding when you do it as well <laughs> Um, i tell you one game we didn't mention on Puzzle Levels, and I'd be really remiss if we didn't, it was VVVVV. Um, oh, v- yeah, of course. Whatever you want to call it. Like, that one is so perfect because it's really kind of modern. You know, it's like, you know, 2010s, I think it is. But yet it looks, it's like an old kind of like Commodore and Amiga game. Uh, and it's got kind of like chip tuny music, but mm. it's so simple, but yet so wonderful with a very simple mechanic of just inverting gravity. Yeah. It's like the idea, again, you're taking platforming, but kind of changing it up a little bit, adding your own flair on it, and it makes something really unique. Yeah, absolutely. And you still do actually have quite traditional 2D platformers. Uh, yeah. You know, and in fact, this is sort of, you know, where where independent developers kind of led the way of like, hey, you know, we can 2D platformers can be a thing again and we can do something interesting. You then had the bigger publishers then revisit it. Um, so for example, I think a great example is which and we've talked about them before actually, is the Rayman Origins and Rayman Legends. Yes. They're they're fantastic. Yeah, they are they are such good games. They ooze quality, they ooze, you know, triple anus um and sophistication. But they are very traditional 2D platformers. Just yeah. you know, just really heavily polished. Um, you know, maybe adding a co-op element and the music levels and stuff like that. And you've also got sort of hybrid longer platformers you know something like cave story where there's you know there's quite a lot going on that's a little bit more metroidvania style you know but it's still you you've got pixel art returning there uh, and stuff like that you know so we've really just got this you know 2d platformers is now no longer a genre because actually it's just full of subgenres, and 2d platformers is just a description of so many different completely different types of games now and i think that 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 sort of leads us on to where we are today with mm-hmm. what is going on in the 3D platforming world. Which kind of lost traction yeah. when 
like thing, games like kind of Banjo and kind of Conquer with the N64 side of things. Mm. And then things like maybe like the Ratchet Clank games. And like uh, one game we didn't mention was things like Prince of Persia. Yep. Because that's that's very much a platformy game. It, like mm. it, there's not a huge amount of kind of action in those games. There's yep. more about the platforming. They kind of left off there because th- there was nothing else to be done with the limitations of the hardware at the time and just kind of no fresh ideas. Mm. But now you're starting to find them coming back a little bit. Yeah. Like you've got more traditional 3D platforms like the collectathons, like we said at the very beginning of the episode about ukulele. Mm. Um, you know, and that's very much a, a swan song sort of thing, like a love letter yeah. to um, to kind of 3D platformers of the day, isn't it? And it's very much about nostalgia. Yeah. But it's just taken that form and then really kind of refined it. And you, you can tell it's been a long time since they were available because people really, really wanted it, even though they've not changed anything, not, not done anything too new about it. Yeah, I think that there are two things there. I think that one thing that you that you just sort of touched upon is that, you know, 3D platformers went away. And I think actually a great indicator of that is that Mario ceased to be a 3D platformer, really. Like you had Galaxy yeah. and then actually, you know, they, they kind of just went to sort of 2D and 2, 2.5D for a while. Yeah. You know, they, they followed the trend a little bit. And if Mario is avoiding 3D platforming, then you know that there's not necessarily a, a desire for it. But yeah, you're absolutely no right that... Now, I think ukulele is is a prime example of sort of, I don't think that it represents where we are going to see 3D platformers in a few years time, because I think that it's so, it's just so cashing in on nostalgia. Yeah, definitely. In fact, in the same way that something like, although it's a great game, something like Elite Dangerous and Star Citizen really sort of cashed in on nostalgia for Mm -hmm. space games, right? Where, you know, there were no space games since like, I don't know, Freelancer and the sort of X series. Yes. And then Elite Dangerous comes along on Kickstarter and it sort of plays on that nostalgia and, and, you know, that allows people to commit money to it and to show that there's something there. And then actually that money then propels the game and allows it to become something. And, you know, I think ukulele is very similar. But like you said, I don't think that's necessarily how the genre is going to be going on a 3D platform side of the way. Mm. Um, I think you started to find kind of a bit more experimental stuff going on. Yeah. You mentioned things like like the new Mario Odyssey game. Mm. It looks kind of like a bit weird, a bit different. Not sure what's going to happen there. It's kind of like a mashup of art styles, isn't it? Because you've got sort of like yeah. realistic and non-realistic and that kind of thing. You know, they're sort of being a bit creative with it. And you've also got quite a lot of like remasters and kind of like kind of reboots as well. Yeah. Things like the uh, the new Crash Bandicoot game that's going to be coming out. Yep. And the kind of like the HD remakes of things like the Sly Cooper series. Yeah. Yeah, I think that remakes is kind of, it feels like remakes is a precursor. Like it's like they're Mm -hmm. testing the waters, you know, sort of like, is there a desire? Is there an interest in 3D platformers by let's play it fairly safe? You know, let's reuse stuff and remaster stuff and see what happens. And then maybe we can add some creativity. And I think a great example of at the time of recording a sort of very recent game is um, Snake Pass, which I don't think is out yet um i don't think so i've seen i've seen video footage of it yeah. but i don't think it's out and that's a fairly sort of extreme example of the creativity that we are now seeing in in three in the 3d platforming world in that the controls are very different you know you control a snake which wraps around the the level and the world that's actually something you can only really do effectively in 3d you know mm-hmm. other, on a 2d plane that would be quite boring and I think that now independent developers, you know, cut their teeth on 2D platformers and now you've got the resources and 
the creativity and, and and the barrier to entry is lower again, that they can start turning to 3D. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that we will see some really interesting games, you know, some really interesting creative art styles. I think we'll see that mixing of other genres. You know, maybe we're going to see 3D roguelikes. You know, imagine that. Imagine a, a, a 3D platformer where everything is, is randomized, but it works really well because you've got sophisticated algorithms to generate yeah. interesting 3D levels. You know, maybe we'll reach that point. Which is just becoming easy and easier now to be able to create in the first place because there's a lot more experienced devs out there. There's mm. easier tools to use. It's yep. not as expensive to get out in the marketplace anymore. So, um, yeah, I think it's quite an exciting time for the genre as a whole. It feels like it's its resurgence at the moment, um, mm. kind of like in 20, 2017. Yep. Um, and it'd be really interesting to see where it goes, not just from a nostalgia point of view, but also from a fresh ideas point of view exactly, as well. Exactly. And don't just let Nintendo lead the way because they're always going to have a Mario game. You know, there's always <laughs> going to be one. Yeah. But let's see some new IP, something interesting and new. And you know, ukulele doesn't count because it's basically just Banjo reskinned. So I, I read an interesting point about um, Platonic Games, oh, the yeah. creators of ukulele, which is that they were quite a small team when they started to make ukulele and they sort of grew temporarily during the development but now actually they're about double the size that they were when they started making it which mm. suggests to me that they have plans you know they must be working on other things they've not just they're yeah. not just doing nothing right now and i wonder if maybe they used ukulele a bit like how you know we're seeing the remaster of crash bandicoot and stuff like that like they used it as a you know, testing the waters. And, yeah, yeah. You know, seeing how the how the uh, community would react to it, seeing if yeah. people would be interested in it in the first place. And I wonder now, are we going to see maybe another ukulele game where they use some new ideas and they they forget a little bit about the nostalgia and they break away a little bit, or maybe just some other IPs. You know, some new IPs, some new interesting things that are still three D based games rather than two D games. But I'm sure we've probably missed out some interesting examples of both 2D and 3D games across the years. So do let us know if we have done. I definitely feel like we have. I feel like someone I mean, is going to be like, you are so wrong. What What? What do you mean Super Mario 64 was the first 3D platformer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we didn't talk about like one of my old favorite platform games of Plock. I know uh, yes. you mentioned uh, Tony was really into that. Yeah. Uh, and that's, a, that's an absolute classic. And then like we didn't mention plenty of games as well. Like I'm sure there's plenty of things we missed out on like pc and xbox yeah, and stuff but absolutely. like yeah i'm sure we have so let us know give us a tweet or give us an email um yeah. and we we are like i say we are very interested in doing another episode about um platforming yeah. possibly more about the rights and wrongs of it so we can certainly maybe do like a commenters edition version of games we missed out in the next episode or something mm, yeah definitely and also any interesting games that are coming up that you've that you've seen that we haven't mentioned and that we don't know about uh, that would be really interesting to, to follow along with the development of, of new games mm -hmm. you can email us uh, at show at octal.fm or you can tweet us uh, we're at octal.fm on twitter and you can go back and listen to past episodes what's a good episode to go back and listen to hmm. that's a really good question um, <laughs> um, I don't know I mean, we did gush over some of these sort of games when we talk about music. We definitely did. Um, so go back and listen to our, you know, we did a couple of episodes about the great use of music in video games. We talked about banjo then. Uh, also, our favorite video game music. Uh, what did we talk about there? Did we talk about things like Mario Galaxy and stuff like that? 
Um, I think you did mention Mario Galaxy. It's yeah. one of your choices, actually, if I remember rightly. I think so. Um, um, God, Nintendo, 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 eh? I mean, they're very <laughs> important. What else was there? Uh, I don't know. I, actually, you know, something we didn't touch on is, um, which we were talking about before we started recording, was where mobile games fit in uh, into this 2D and 3D mobile games. And we actually talked about why we think mobile games are rubbish. And so that's perhaps why we didn't mention them here. Yeah, possibly. I mean, there are some examples of uh, mobile platformers, aren't they? And then, like, kind of your endless runners, especially your yeah. side-scrolling endless runners, are basically platformers yeah. in their own right. So... Yeah, there's another example. Yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, so go back and listen to... Oh, just listen to all of them. Listen to every episode. <laughs> <laughs> just listen to them all. They're only half an hour long, mostly. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's that's been this episode about uh, platform games, the history, the current situation, and where we think they're, they're going to go in the future. Uh, I've been Gelada. And I've been Seferin. And catch us again for another episode of Octal FM soon. I think I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. You're not ready. I'm ready. You're not ready. <laughs> no, I am. Just give up. <laughs> give up. Okay, just, bye. Just, just hang your microphone up. Do. And just, just go <laughs> I'm going to hang up my headphones and walk into the sunsets. <laughs>